already the end, the, the caboose, the finale, part six of our Serve Somebody series. And man, oh man, have we covered some amazing ground or what? Just an incredible, incredible thing that God is doing in, in our hearts as a community of believers where we get to, to live the way Jesus called us to live, not for ourselves and our own wants and our own needs and our own desires, but for someone else. And that's what Serve Somebody has truly been all about. And guys, I just have to tell you, it's working. Yesterday, I was down um, in the community, and we were serving, and uh, this lady who lives in Sable Palms came running up to me, literally running up to me. She said, good, you're here. Did you get my message? And I'm like, I don't think I did. <laughs> and she looked at me, and she said, well, I, just, I just have to tell you. She said, you have inspired me. And I'm like, all right. She goes, uh, no, I mean it. You're messing with me. See, because you guys have been coming and doing this and serving I want you to know that God's been speaking to my heart too. I said, okay, what's, what's he been speaking to you? And she said, he's been speaking to me to start a kid's after-school program at Sable Palms. And he gave me the name for it and everything. And I live in Sable Palms. And so I went to the director of, of our community this week, and he already approved it. And I want you to know, this is crazy, and it's way outside of my comfort zone. But God spoke in my heart that we're supposed to do something for our kids down here. And I just thought, yeah. Yeah, you're getting it. That's right. That's right. It's working. So guys, let me just tell you, it is working. Woo! Listen, we understand that our role has been to come alongside the residents of Palmetto Courts, the residents of Southward Village, the residents of Sable Palm, and to begin to show them belief like perhaps no one else in their life ever has, to, to show them that, that they are capable, that, that by giving them some skills and some training and some belief, that they are capable to change their own community, to, to, to give them opportunity, to begin to cast some vision to them simply by coming and serving them. We're giving them opportunity and planting seeds of what could and should be in their own city, in their own communities. And guys, it's working. And as you know, over the last few weeks, as we've been talking here on Sundays about mindsets, the poverty mentality, the poverty mindset that holds so many people who live in our communities bound up and it holds them captive. But as we're discovering, it also holds us captive as well, doesn't it? And probably far more of us than would like to admit find ourselves being held captive by this, by this poverty mentality that keeps us from living an overcoming life, an abundant life like Jesus talked about. And we've been talking about four mindsets particularly. The first one is a, a mindset that says, I don't, ha- I, I don't know. And we've been talking about how when we give people belief that it it helps them to know that they're believed in. It helps them to know, just like this woman yesterday who came up to me, that she can make a difference. We talked about a second mindset that says, I'm not capable. And we talked about how Moses, one of the greatest leaders of all time, struggled and wrestled with this I'm not capable mentality. Last week then we talked about the mentality, the third mindset that says, I don't have. I don't have what I need to have to achieve my dreams. We talked about how you and I, as we serve people, have a responsibility to give people opportunity. And today, as we conclude our series, I want to talk about the fourth and final mindset that holds people captive, that that holds not only those people in our community downtown, but holds many of us, if we're willing to admit it, bound up as well. 
Because, see, the fourth mentality that people living in a poverty mindset struggle with, and the truth is many of us struggle with, is it's all beyond me. It's all out there. It's someone else's fault. See, the fourth mentality that that so many people struggle with, so many of us, let's be honest, struggle with is a victim mentality. Well, if they would, or well, if it would, well, if someone else would, then I could. And see, here's what I want us to understand this morning, that this victim mentality is one of the most potentially devastating mindsets that any person who walks planet Earth can struggle with. And here's why. Because it holds us back. And the reason why it holds us back is because it relinquishes us personally from responsibility. And see, what we have to understand is the starting point of any growth in our life, the the starting point of, of achieving our dreams in our life, the starting point of overcoming is always taking personal responsibility. We have to start with ownership, period. And when and only when we're capable and and, and able to grab a hold of personal responsibility for where we are, then and only then can we begin to move forward into all that God has for us. You know, the truth is every coach, every teacher, every boss, every leader of any kind knows this, don't they? Every parent knows this, this responsibility thing with our children that as we raise our children, what do we do? As they grow, as they mature, as they become more trustworthy, what do we do? We release more responsibility to them. And see, the ultimate goal of lifting people, like we've been talking about for the last six weeks, is to eventually get to a place where we release responsibility to the ones we've been serving. And it's interesting because Jesus actually understood this. And there's this interesting story in the book of Luke. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Luke. Chapter 9 is where we're going to spend our time today. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. The verses will be on the screens. You'll be able to follow along there. Because in Luke chapter 9, we see the story of Jesus and his disciples. And here's, let me kind of set it up for us. Because see, up to this point, for about a, a couple of years, roughly, the disciples have been following Jesus around. Now, remember who the disciples were. Remember a few weeks ago when we talked about the fact that the disciples were kind of like the not quite good enough. They were the, the school dropouts. They were the go home and work for your dad because you don't qualify for anything greater than that. They were, they were the B team. They were the leftovers. They were the not quite good enoughs. And so for two years, the not quite good enoughs have been following Jesus around. And they've been watching him. And everywhere Jesus goes, he's doing miracles. And he's teaching people. He's preaching in the synagogues. He's rebuking Pharisees. He's feeding people. I mean, he's just, Jesus is doing all of the ministry. And the disciples are kind of on the sidelines just watching. I mean, they they help. And occasionally, you know, he'll ask them to go get something or whatever. But by and large, it's been Jesus who's been doing the ministry. But in Luke chapter 9, everything begins to shift. And I want us to take a look at this because I believe that there are some keys, some principles to overcoming this victim mentality through responsibility that is true for the disciples and I believe is true for so many of us as well today. So in Luke chapter 9, look at verse 1. It says this, When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons And to cure diseases. Verse 2. And he sent them out 
to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, look at this, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave town. Look at verse 5, I love this. If people don't welcome you, shake the dust off of your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. Verse 6, so they set out and went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now, put yourself in the disciples' shoes for a second. I mean, think about it. For two years, you've been watching. For two years, Jesus is the one who does all of the teaching. For two years, Jesus is the one who does all of the praying, all of the miracles, all of the healing, all of the rebuking of the, of the Pharisees and religious guys. For two years, you've been sitting on the sideline going, oh, that was awesome, that was awesome, that was awesome, that was awesome. And then all of a sudden, Jesus pulls you together and he goes, all right, guys, here's the keys to the car. Have a good one. Okay, two words, mama. Sita. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine being the disciples being like, we got the keys, we got the keys, we got power and authority. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But on the other hand, you'd be like, what? Are you seriously, Lord? Just us? You're not, you're not, you're not coming? What's up now? Right, you'd be freaking out, wouldn't you? You'd be like, yeah, we're going to pray, we're going to preach, we're going to do miracles. I'm going to do, I'm going to raise more people from the dead than you are, John. <laughs> you know, can't you see the disciples just being like, we got the kids, we got the kids, we got the kids, we got the kids. I mean, they got to just be going crazy. Now, imagine being Jesus. You know who these guys are. These are like the 12 knuckleheads, right? It's like one of them's going to betray you. And yet there comes this time where Jesus understood something that I believe God wants each and every one of us to understand as well, and that's this, that there is a moment of time where we must release and trust that which has been given to us into the hands of those who've been learning from us. We have to give away responsibility. And so Jesus takes this motley crew of 12 guys, 12 not quite good enough, 12 B-teamers. He looks at them and he says, for two years you've been watching. Now I'm releasing the responsibility to you. And I want us to go back into these verses and look at at four concepts or four ideas, at four charges, if you will, that Jesus gives to his disciples when he releases responsibility to them. Because I believe that they're not only true for the disciples back then, but I believe they're true for us today as well. As you and I begin to understand that that God's blessed us, that he's put so much into our hands, that he's calling us to and given us the responsibility to release 
into our community, to release into our children, to release into the next generation, to release into our cities at large. But I also believe that it is inside of these four concepts of of responsibility being released to us that we, many of us who struggle with the victim mentality, can find true freedom from that victim mentality today as well. So here's the first thing. If you want to take notes and write in your bulletin, I'd love that. Here's the first thing I want you to see and understand from these verses. Notice that when Jesus released responsibility to his disciples, first of all, number one, he gave them power and authority. He gave them power and authority. Did you see it? It said when he called the 12 disciples together, he gave them power and authority to cast out every demon and to cure diseases. Listen, I want us to make no mistake. When Jesus asks us to do something, he will never ask us to do something that he doesn't give us the power to do. He'll never lead us somewhere that he won't give us the strength to endure it. And here's what I know I've loved over these last six weeks watching so many of us inside of Next Level Church growing in our faith. And here's why. Because God has been stretching so many of us, hasn't he? We hear the stories, we hear the emails, we hear the the Facebook comments, the testimonials from you guys who are saying, man, God spoke to my heart about this. God's been stretching me here. God's been pushing me here. For some of us, it has been a, a journey way outside of our comfort zone just to go down to the communities off of Martin Luther King Boulevard. That stretched us. Others of us have been stretched by this call to serve like Jesus served as we, as we serve neighbors in our, in our neighborhoods, as we serve coworkers in our workplaces or students across the halls in our classes or across the halls in different lockers. That, that as God has, has put this burden and this call on us to serve one another. For many of us, I know it's true for me and my family, it is stretching us. But listen, I want us to understand something. God will never call us to do something that he will not give us his power and authority to get done. Some of us, we felt compelled to adopt a family from the communities this Christmas and, and, and you know, find some needs and purchase some clothes or Christmas, small Christmas gifts for, for, for some of the single moms down there or some of the kids down there. Listen, if God's put that on your heart, then that's a God thing. And he's going to bless you and give you the power and authority to come good on that. Others of us, God's speaking to you about leading a community service connection group. Lisa, an amazing lady who's been in our church for several years now, came up to me yesterday and she said, Pastor Matt, I got to tell you something. She said, I just spoke with the director of the Boys and Girls Clubs who's down here in these communities. And I I told her that we wanted to come and start helping to tutor students in after-school programs, down here in the community. And when I told her that, you know what she said to me? She said, listen, we have grant money for that. There's money available to offset the cost of being able to tutor. Here's what we don't have. We don't have anybody, any volunteers who will be willing to do it. And I looked back at Lisa and I said, Lisa, that's a God call. That's God speaking to our heart. I said, and if he's speaking to you, he's probably speaking to a couple dozen other people inside of the family of Next Level Church to come once or twice a month in the new year and tutor young children. Listen, if he's called you to something, come on, I'm about to preach. Somebody zoom out because I'm about to get nutty with it. Oh, baby, I'm just getting ready for next Saturday, three hours. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. 
Broke, busted, and disgusted. Get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> you guys, you secretly, there's about 58% of you. They're like, do it, do it, do it. Somebody get him a towel, get him a towel, do it. I could use a towel in here. It's like moist. I don't even like the word moist. It's moist. Listen, if God is speaking to you, some of you know it's on. Listen, if God's speaking to you, you feel a, a nudge in your spirit, a call in your spirit to step out, to lead a community service group, we need you. And you can walk confidently. God's going to give you the power and the authority to step into that. Some of you, you know, God's been speaking to you to get involved in a ministry here at Next Level. To start serving in our coffee bar. Start serving in our setup and teardown crews. Start serving in our kids zone or our nurseries and babies departments. And you've just been sitting there and week in and week out, you come in and you're like, I could do that, I could do that, I could do that. Well, let me just give you permission to do that. Because God's going to put his power and authority when we step out for him. And step into the responsibility he's called us to. And let me just say this. Some of you have been dealing with this poverty mentality. You've been dealing with this victim thing on you. And it's always been everybody else's fault. And it's always been everybody else. And if this would happen, if this and this and I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm a victim. Listen, if you're in Jesus, you're not a victim anymore. And it's time to just break that off of you today and start saying, no. God's put his power and authority and his spirit in my heart. And I'm going to step out in it. Stop it. Stop it. Why? Because there's too much life to be lived. There's too much need in our world today for you and I to be walking around going, my life sucks. My life's horrible. My life, no, come on. Number two. It's when you're like, I don't like the way he's making me feel right now. Stop it. (laughs) You're not a victim. You might be getting beat up a little bit in the spirit realm, but you're not a victim. Number two, he made them walk by faith. He made them walk by faith. Did you catch it in the, in the story? He looks at his disciple and he says, don't be taking an extra set of clothes. Don't be taking a bag. Don't take any money. Don't take anything with you. Why? Because this journey I'm calling you to is a faith journey. No security blankets allowed. And next level church, listen, make no mistake about it. The path that Jesus calls us to is not... One that can be accomplished in our own strength, our own power. When Jesus calls us, he calls us to something bigger than our own skills and talents have the ability to take us to. Some of you, that you heard Sarah and Scott talk about the future facility. Some of you, you know because you've been praying all week about it. That God put a number on your heart that you're supposed to give in the future facility offering today. And you're, it's freaking you out. You're like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Listen. It's a walk of faith, and I love that across these six weeks, God's been stretching us, not just financially, but in all kinds of ways. And he's not called us to be victims. He's called us to be overcomers. And when we step into the responsibility of God, he will stretch us. But let me just say this. Let me just say this, because this is, I, I felt that I needed to preach this. little nugget for several weeks. God is advancing our church like crazy. Where we are going is uncharted territory. And that means that we're going to need more leaders, that God is raising up more people. He's calling more people. He's empowering more of us, more leaders than perhaps we've ever needed. I know for sure than we've ever needed in the life of our church. And for some of us, we are feeling this stretch of leadership. We're feeling this tug in our heart going, man, I feel like I'm supposed to step up another notch. I'm supposed to step up another notch. But here's the thing. For so many of us, every time we felt this in the past, here's what we've done. We've run from it. 
we've resisted it. We've pushed away. We've denied it. We've just kind of blown it off and said, well, you know, no, 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 listen. If you're feeling a stretch in your heart right now, if you're feeling over the last several weeks like, man, there's just something, I just feel like there's something greater, something great. I feel like I'm the Incredible Hulk and I'm, these clothes don't fit anymore. If you're feeling that on the inside, let me just tell you something. That's a God thing. And, and part of spiritual growth, part of, part of spiritual maturity is not resisting the stretching of the Lord. It's not resisting. It's not running from it or denying it or trying to pray it away. No, no, no. Listen, we need to lean into that. We need to embrace the chastening, as the old King James, for some of you who need the old King James every once in a while. Why doesn't he veer thou? There you go. You got a chasten this morning. Listen, the chastening, the, the, the discipline of the Lord. Why? Because he's calling us to step up our game. Because the needs of our city are great. Because the future looks bright. Because we are walking into uncharted territory. And he's calling us up into it. And that's a faith walk. Listen, here's what Jesus knew. Jesus knew, guys, if you can't do this for a few weeks without me, in a little less than a year, I'm going to be off the scene completely. If you can't do this now, you will never survive in the future. And so this was a necessary test for the disciples. In order for them to change the world, which we are beneficiaries of 2,000 years later, they had to walk through this time of testing and whom the Lord chooses to use greatly, he tests greatly. So stop running from the test and start falling into it and saying, God, crush me, break me, mold me, make me, take everything I am, God, make me everything you want me to be. Why? Because that's the posture where Jesus can truly begin to use us. When we reach a level of ultimate brokenness before him, that's where we use, we reach a level of ultimate effectiveness for him. That was not in the notes. I'm hotter than you. Number three, he told them to follow the receptivity. He told them to follow the receptivity. Did you catch it in there? He said, listen, if someone doesn't like it, if someone doesn't receive it, you shake the dust off your feet on the way out of town. You just symbolically, you just let them know, well, forget you too, man. <laughs> I love that. Here's why. Because inevitably, there are going to be people that we serve. There are going to be people that we love. There are going to be people that we reach out to who don't want anything to do with the orange-shirted people. Who don't want anything to do with our love and our compassion and our service. But listen, here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, don't let, it, don't let it get you down. Don't let one sour apple ruin the whole bunch. Here's what you do. You shake it off. And you go to another village and you go to another house until you find someone who does receive your gift, who does receive your blessing, who does receive your love and compassion and your serving. You shake the dust off. Why? Because there's always going to be people who don't agree or don't like it or don't want to receive it. Well, fine. Jesus said, hey, listen, you follow the receptivity. You go where you're received. And you know what I've loved about these five weeks of service? I have loved that so many people in the community, here's what we're starting to see, those of us who've been down there all four, four weeks, we're beginning to see the same familiar faces. Have you noticed that? that? You start seeing the same moms. You start seeing the same kids. You start learning some names. And here's what that means. That means that God is allowing us to find those people who are receptive to our message. 
yeah, but what about all of the other? I I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know who they think we are and what we think they think we're doing. I I don't know. And here's what I know. I I don't really, I, I don't. I know there are people that are receptive, who are open, who are, who are coming up to me going, I'm going to start a kids program in, in Sable Paul. Okay, listen, we got to find those who are receptive to our love and our service. And we just got to just keep pouring it on. How do you lift a city? One life at a time. One kid at a time. One mom at a time. time one, one father at a time. That's how you do it. And that's what we're doing, guys. You've got to follow the receptivity. Now, let me speak to some of us, though, who've been struggling with this victim mentality thing. Listen, maybe you're, you're here today and you're listening or you're watching online or whatever, and you're, you're thinking to yourself, yeah, but, man, I've been trying to change my life. I've been trying to, to live life differently, and it just doesn't seem to be working. I feel like every time I take one step forward, I end up taking two steps back. I would say this to you. Listen, follow the receptivity. Where are you winning? Where are you winning? Oh, you thought this was supposed to be easy. The whole changing your life. The whole serving God with your whole life. No, 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 no. A sarcasm alert, by the way. No, no, no. Listen, this isn't about that. This is about you becoming a disciple of Christ, becoming a follower of Jesus. Changing your life is not not easy. It's a war, baby. And listen, the minute you and I make a decision and say, all right, I'm going to step out and step into a new way of living and step into the way Jesus wants me to live, guess what happens? All hell breaks loose on your life, literally. You know why? Because Satan knows if he can kill it in infancy, he can kill it long term. And so these baby seeds of faith that are rising up in your heart and you're going, yeah, but I just don't feel like I'm winning. I'm just a victim. No, no, no. All together. Stop it. Exactly. All right. So he told them to follow the receptivity. And number four, when we get to number four, I want you to see this, okay? Look at this first verse in verse 10. So Jesus gives them power and authority. He tells them to go out in faith, follow the receptivity. He's like, go, go get them. And so off they go. And the 12 disciples go from village to village to village for, for a length of time. And they're preaching the good news and they're making it happen and they're serving people and they're doing miracles and they're healing and they're teaching and they're doing the work of the ministry. And then after a period of time, they come back together. Look at verse 10. I love this. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Number four, a thing I want us to to grab a hold of in terms of this releasing responsibility deal is notice that Jesus made sure that they celebrated with each other. I love the fact that Jesus made sure that there was some celebration going on. Can you imagine that scene? Imagine what it must have been like after several weeks of being the hands and feet of Jesus. We can imagine this because we've been doing this. They get back together. They were probably talking over each other like crazy. I mean, don't you think? They're probably like, and then this happened, and then this, and then, and let me tell you, and then, gee, oh, oh, I forgot. You know, they're probably all like laying down. They're real quiet. The fire's just starting to go out, you know, and one of them's like, oh, yeah. And he sits up in bed, and he's like, you'll never believe it. When we were in Capernaum, shut up. It was awesome. And they're all like, go to sleep, Peter, right? You know, I mean, can't you imagine? And my hope is that we as a church will take this holiday season, and we will celebrate like crazy. That we will celebrate across our church. We'll celebrate across our families. How God has used us, not, over, not only just over these five weeks of service, but how God has used us in 2009. Listen, in the last five weeks, four weeks really, we've seen over 300 
patients with medical, dental, vision, and hearing care. We're about to give away 60 family portraits this coming Saturday at our Christmas service down there. We've cleaned up two of the hardest neighborhoods in all of Southwest Florida in the pouring rain, I might add. We've touched hundreds and hundreds of children every week. We supplied Thanksgiving dinner to dozens of families. We're about to supply Christmas presents for dozens more. And we're getting ready to host a service where hundreds of us and hundreds of them are going to worship Jesus as one family under God. Are you kidding me? How awesome is that? We're changing our community. It's working. It's working. We got to stop and we got to celebrate that. Guys, listen, we're living in unprecedented times of need across our, our communities. But we're also living in a time where God's given us so much. And if you read your soap today in Matthew 10, you know that it is this story expounded. And I had no idea when we put the soap guide together eight months ago that those would line up. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, I soaked this just this morning. It says, freely you have been given, now freely give. In other words, be orange. That's what we've been doing. Guys, we're winning. We're winning. We're lifting people one life at a time, one child at a time, one teenager at a time, one mom at a time, one neighborhood at a time. We're winning. And we got to celebrate that. Woo! Let me say that. Yeah, all right. Let me ask you a question. If you're here today and you struggle with this victim mentality thing, that you are prone to blame other people or blame your circumstances or blame the government or blame your ex-wife, if that's you, I want you to know that you can be free today. That there is freedom to the captive, the Bible says. That Jesus didn't come to put us in bondage. Jesus came to make us free. And, and, and the victim mentality is one of the most dangerous mentalities because it relinquishes responsibility from us. If that's you, listen, I want to pray for you today. And I want to pause right now just for a moment and I want to say something else. Because I believe that there are many of us who are here today or or maybe you're listening on the internet or you're watching on the internet or whatever. Listen, Jesus wants to break the victim mentality off of you right now. Imagine what that would look like. Imagine what our lives could look like if we didn't walk around all the time thinking we're the victim. Thinking that it's everybody else's fault. Well, it's my boss's fault. Well, it's my boyfriend's fault. What if... What if we could break that off? Imagine the zeal and the fervor. Imagine the passion and excitement that you and I could get up every morning with, knowing that God's hand is on us, that his power and his authority is on us. Imagine how our life would look if we weren't so self-focused on us all the time. And we could break this victim mentality. Well, guess what? We're going to believe that that's going to happen right now. So here's what I want us to do. Will you just bow your head real quick? Just all over this place, just bow your head for a moment. If that is you, I want to pray for you. 
Because the Spirit of God is here, and He is here to, to move on hearts. And with the authority of Jesus, I just pray right now, God, across this room, Lord, you see so many who are struggling with this, who, who have let this victim mentality creep into their worldview. And God, you, that is not your best for us. And so, Jesus, right now, we take authority over that. And we thank you, God, that the abundant life does not come from being a victim, but it it comes from being an overcomer. And so right now, in Jesus' name, I just begin to pray that that victim thing would be broken off of us, God, broken off of hearts, broken off of minds, broken off of grandparents and, and, and husbands, broken off of wives, broken off of teenagers right now, broken off of children, God, that we would begin to see in this moment that you have called us, you've anointed us, you put your power and authority in us, and you've given us responsibility to live as light in a dark world to be change agents for you across our high schools, across our middle schools, across our elementary schools, God, across our workplaces, across the malls, across our roadways, God, in every area of our life, you have called us to be overcomers, and so we take authority over this victim mentality thing in Jesus' name, and we declare that it is broken off of us, and from this day forward, we're going to resist that, and we're going to walk in faith, knowing that you've called us to live the abundant life, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, all right. Come on. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Let me take just a second because as we're coming down to the end of our five weeks of service, I know many of us are probably wondering, okay, great, what do we do now? Uh, What what are our next steps? What does this look like? Um, And and I want to speak to that just for a couple minutes before we close our time together. Um. Luke chapter 9 is an interesting chapter because from here, when they come back together and they celebrate and have a party, after this, they are are encountered by several thousand people. And it's the story where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And so he does this miracle and the breaking of the bread and the disciples are used to distribute it all. And it's incredible. After that is the Mount of Transfiguration, which if you're new to Bible study, basically... Peter, James, and John, and Jesus go up on this high mountain, and Jesus is transfigured. In other words, he becomes like this white, bright light that he he becomes like the image of God before them. And Peter, James, and John are there, and they're just like mountaintop experience, quite literally. And they're just, wow, this is incredible. So they come down. They encounter this demon-possessed boy. They cast the demon out of him. I mean, they are flowing and going. The disciples have got the responsibility thing down. And then at the end of of, of Luke chapter 9, they're walking through Samaria, which was kind of an area that was anti the Jews. And, and so it was, it, was, it was a cross-cultural region. And so they're going, passing through there to go to Jerusalem. And look at this in verse 53. Watch what happens. But the people there did not welcome him. They started to, to pick on Jesus. They started to persecute him. They started to, to do bad things to Jesus because he was headed for Jerusalem. Verse 54, look at this. When the disciples James and John saw this, okay, you talk about taking your responsibility seriously. They ask, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy? I mean, they were like, oh, Lord, you gave us the keys, and we're responsible, and we'll get them raw. (laughs) Like, they're like, literally, Lord, do you want us to just wipe them out? Because we can do that. (laughs) Look what Jesus says. Jesus turned and rebuked them. He's like, guys, no, we're not going to blow anybody up okay that's not the ministry of jesus don't don't get ahead of yourselves don't what was happening here james and john were getting a little cocky with this whole responsibility thing 
they'd have some big victories. I mean, they're out, you know, healing people and preaching and the whole deal. Then the 5,000, they're feeding everybody. Then they're on the Mount of Transfiguration. At this point, they pretty much think they're invincible. I mean, they're just like, we rock. You're horrible. Woo. I mean, you know, they're like they're on cloud nine. And Jesus is like, hey, 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 one step at a time. Relax. And when it comes to this serving thing, when it comes to adopting these communities downtown, we as a church want to make sure that we don't get ahead of ourselves. We have to make sure that we don't, I mean, we've had some big wins and this is awesome and this Saturday is going to be hopefully the biggest one of all. But we've got to be careful that, that we don't move so quickly that we damage the cause of Christ in those communities. We have to make sure we would rather move slowly but with precision and excellence that honors the name of Jesus rather than moving too quickly and doing harm to the cause. See, these five weeks of service have been about us establishing credibility in the hearts and minds of those who live in those communities. Because there's such a skepticism toward anyone from the outside. There's such a, such a pushing back away, such a doubt that lives in them. And, and many of us have heard that. We've had residents of Palmetto Courts or Sable Palms say to us, why are you here? Why are you doing this? It happened to my wife just yesterday. A woman was talking to Sarah, and, and she said to her, you know, why are you here? And Sarah said, well, we just, we love this. And the lady looked right at her boldly and said, do you really? And my wife said, yeah, my kids love this. We, we're, we love this. We, my kids got up this morning and couldn't wait to put on their orange shirts and come down and serve. And so about that time, my six-year-old came over. And the woman looks right at my six-year-old and goes, do you like being here? <sighs> come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. <laughs> Come on, buddy. <laughs> you got to get this one right. And he goes, yeah, this is great. We love it. See, they don't understand that. And so these five weeks have been about nothing more than us establishing our credibility with the residents of the community. And guess what? We've done that. We did it. However, we want to now take the next step into influencing them. And let me tell you particularly two things, two ways that we believe in 2010 we're going to be able to keep this Be Orange campaign, this Serve Somebody thing, this, this serving deal in those communities going. The first way is through our community service connection groups. You've heard me talk about this. And see, I believe that, that what has to happen in terms of serving is not that it, it is super programmatic from, from a high level in terms of our church, but that it, it ultimately begins to resonate from the hearts of individuals. That the best way to serve the communities downtown is not with, with another big organization coming in with a big program of some kind. No, 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 no. The best way to do this is on a grassroots level. And so we believe that over the last five weeks or so that God has spoken to many of you. Like he spoke to Lisa about starting a, a tutoring connection group that once a month or twice a month can go down and minister to little kids and bless those children as they're in their studies. See, we believe that God has spoken to so many of us with an idea or a concept for, for a connection group. And we want you to know that you're empowered. The responsibility is upon each and every one of us to do that. And so we need dozens of you to start community service connection groups. And here's how you do it. Very simply, take your uh, connection card and your bulletin, write your name and information on there, and then just write community service connection group. And Pastor Scott will get with you this week and let you know the details of what that all looks like. Because we believe the most effective way to serve is through a grassroots, smaller sort of 
of, of way. But the second thing that we know and feel like is a good next step for us as a church is to begin to have a monthly presence down in those communities. And so our goal, and we'll talk more about this as, as January comes, but our goal is to do a once a month, second Saturday or third Saturday of the month, whatever, where we kind of do like a mini five weeks of service all in one day. And so we take those six-pronged approaches, and so we've got educational things. We've got medical and dental available down there. We've got health and nutrition going on. Some of you, we're going to ask you to lead Bible studies with kids or with teenagers or, or lead Bible studies that we can lift people spiritually that way with moms or with dads, that with adults in the community. We, that one Saturday a month that all of us, the orange ones, would come down and we would serve because we think that kind of consistency adds value to the communities as well. Because now the people, the residents who live there no, if I need a dentist, if I need a doctor, the orange shirts will be here on second Saturday or on the third Saturday. And so that consistency will begin to build even greater trust with the residents of those communities. And so what's our next step? Where do we go from here in terms of the Be Orange movement? It looks like our community service connection groups. And then secondly, it looks like a once a month presence down in the communities. And guys, I believe that 2010, we're gonna have opportunity to serve in ways that we never dreamed or imagined as the openness of their hearts continues to just overflow. So guys, thank you. Thanks for serving. Thanks for loving those cities. Thanks for loving those people in the community. Thanks for doing this. Why? Because we're living like Jesus and we're stepping into the responsibility he's given us. Can we pray together today? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for five weeks of service. Thank you for a, for a concept like be orange, got M-E. God, thank you that, that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of us have caught the serving bug. Because, Lord, we know that when we serve someone else, when we get outside of ourselves, that, Lord, in that moment, we are Jesus to the world around us. And so, God, we thank you that as we move toward 2010, that the serving doesn't stop this Saturday, but the serving actually goes on and on and on. Lord, this serving thing is not something that we're doing it's who we are. So Jesus, thank you that we've had the opportunity to impact so many lives for your glory this Christmas season. God, thank you that you've called us to serve somebody. And as we have, our faith has grown. We've been stretched. And in this process, we're more like you. So Jesus, today we applaud you and praise you. And thank you for the work you're doing in our hearts in Jesus' name. And all across this room, everyone said, amen.